letters to Santa because it reveals the heart of a child. So we opened up the lobby to the public, and you know, literally thousands of people come through here a week going to the post office, but they end up in our door because they think it's a post office, and we tricked them. Completely, we tricked them. They come in there, what are you looking for? Oh, the post office. Oh, well, have you tried coffee? Have you, have you seen our prayer wall? And we have been able to minister, really, to, to just dozens and dozens of people in the name of Christ. And one of the things we did, we put a, uh, a letter to Santa so people could bring their kids in and they could write a letter. And I was surprised. I opened it up this week, and there was just stacks and stacks of letters to Santa from people all in our community and within our church. And I just pulled out two. We're going to read some more on Christmas Eve, which will really be a great service, both of them. And they're, they're a little bit different, so come to both. But let me just read um, this first one to you. Um, I love you, Santa. I hope you can get all my stuff on my Christmas list. I'm trying to be nice. This one really touched me because it revealed a lot what was going on in uh, this little girl's heart. She said, Santa, for Christmas, I want happiness from my friends. That will make me smile, love. I don't know what that little girl was going through. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know whether she lacks friends. I don't know whether her, you know, she, her friends lack friends. I don't know what's going on there, but I know one thing. That was as heartfelt as anything I've ever read. When you read that, I want happiness for my friends. Sometimes we don't know what little children are, are really thinking and feeling and experiencing. But the Bible says that we, to come into the kingdom, have to come like a little child. We have to come with that honesty and that vulnerability and that realness. And when that, when that connects with God, it's so powerful. It's so life-changing. As I began to think about what we're going to say today, I, a few thoughts came to me. Here's the, here's the first one. Did you know that God just loves your company? He loves to be with you. He loves you. He loves to spend time with you. And somewhere either now or before this day is over, you need to repeat that back. God loves my company. He loves to spend time with me. If there were no, no one else in the universe, he would love to spend time with me. That somehow, because he's God, he's able to do, to give me all the time that I need with him. He loves my company. God's plans have never changed. Sometimes when life takes a different route or you experience a setback, you wonder if maybe something you did or circumstances in this world changed the plan that God had for you. No, God's plans never change. And at whatever point in life you have detoured from that plan, I want you to know that God always has a ramp back on the highway. God's always going to bring you back to his plan. You may have spent some time going in the wrong direction, but God's going to get you back on route. And then that relationship is key to happiness. You know, in both these letters, there was that element of relationship. Santa, I love you. Why would a kid love Santa? 
Is it the idea? Is it the presence? Is it the idea of somehow joy and happiness fills life and, and, and there's that absence of conflict and difficulty that's found there? In the second little girl's letter, there was that relationship dimension that said, I, I want my friends to experience happiness. It's relationship. Luke chapter 1 is our text for today, beginning in verse 35. Familiar, and yet maybe only read once a year. Listen to what it says. The angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now just stop right there and just pause on that thought. Here you're a young virgin, a teenager, and this angel comes with this message. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. It is what we all desire, that the Holy Spirit is present and comes upon us and empowers us. And had it stopped right there, it would have been enough. It would have been enough for us just to meditate for a while. But then it says, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. What if, what if that were your prayer? God, Holy Spirit, come on me in power. May the, may the power of the highest overshadow me. May the shadow of God be my covering. May the only light I see be his light. May the only joy I really understand is through the eyes of God. And so when I look at my friends and I look at my family and I look at my world, I see everything under the shadow of the Almighty through the eyes of God's love. Imagine how that would work. Amazing the number of people that come through our, our lobby who find the prayer wall and slip a piece of paper in there with a name. Many have never been to this church. It's only a matter of time. Many of them, our, our staff, our receptionists, our volunteers are there to pray with them and show them something about the love of God. It says the, that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. You, that last phrase is so critical to this story. Barren, without that new life that she anticipated, that she desired. But now, guess what? God's going to do something, and whatever area of your life has got a barrenness to it. Is there a barrenness in your life somewhere? Is there something you say, you know, it's just not working, it's just not, it's just not there, I'm just not happy, or, or I lack vitality, or something going on, there's a barrenness. Do you know that that's what God is all about, is bringing life to barren places? Bringing joy back when the joy is gone? Bringing love back when the love is gone or waning thin in your life? Verse 37, for with God, nothing, nothing will be impossible. If God, it's almost as if God says, if I can do that, think what I can do for you. If I can work a miracle in her life, can I not work a miracle in your life? What kind of miracle do you need from the hand of God? Have you really ever thought about it? Or have you just said, I wish I could, or I want, or what? You know, whatever it is, your expression. Have you ever just sat down and said, God, these are the three things, or this is the one thing. If there was one thing I'd love to see you do in my life, and this is I'm going to give myself for it, it's going to be this. What would that be? 
Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. When our daughter was little, that's what I used to call her. I said, You're the maidservant of the Lord. You're the handmaiden of the Lord. And that little girl, three, four, five years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, I say, you're the handmaiden of the Lord. It's not a surprise to me that she has a heart for God. Instilled in her was that heart that said, I am a handmaiden of God. I serve him. I don't serve anybody else. I serve God. When you serve God and when you honor God, God has a a miraculous way of, of doing something in your life that you didn't really expect. And then she says, I am a handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What a prayer that is. God, would you do in me according to your word? And the angel departed from her. Now, the mystery of God is this. God has always had one idea for man. You know what it is? That God would be with man. He would be with you wherever you went. But what did man do? Man chose a different route. Man chose to go his own way and isolate and separate himself from relationship with God. And and the Bible, I'm going to take you on a journey from Genesis to Revelation, and I can do it without going into the next year. Is that good news? Or you want me to keep going all day long, right? Okay, let me show you this diagram. And I'm going to leave this diagram up here for a minute just so you can kind of look at it, walk through it with me. But it begins with this word, God with us. You know, remember in the Garden of Eden, where was God? God was in the garden with Adam. It says the voice of the Lord God was in the garden with Adam, and he walked with God. But man sinned. And man's plan, if you go to the next, how is God working with man? You notice it says, with, to, among, through, as, in, and with. Now walk this through with me, because this is the whole Bible. So what does God do? God raises up a man by the name of Moses, and he speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go and take the message to the people. And everything I tell you, you get it up here, you take it down, and you communicate it to it. This was how, this was a revelation of God, how God was revealing himself to man. And one of the things he revealed to Moses was something called a tabernacle. It was really a big tent. It would be what would one day be the temple, the permanent structure, and they would carry this tent through the wilderness. But what would God do? God would come down and he would dwell among them. His glory would be seen in the midst of the people. What God was doing, he was taking them progressively on a journey to show him himself, just like God, what God does for you. He takes you on a journey to progressively show you who he is. Then notice what comes next, God through man. That was the prophets. When you read the prophets of old, guys like Jeremiah and Isaiah and others, they, said, they would say something like this, thus says the word of the Lord. And they were speaking for God. God was speaking directly through them, and he had a message. And that's why many times they would say, do you have a good message for me? Do you have a good word for me? Because we want to hear from God. And one of the things that was told in the Old Testament was that God was coming. The Son of God was coming, going to be born of a virgin. The Messiah was coming. And we see that now it's God as man in Jesus Christ. He literally took on human flesh and was born among us, God in our midst. That's what we call the incarnation. 
the enfleshment of God. God took on human flesh, and he lived among us. And when Jesus was about to leave, he gathered his disciples together in John 14, and he said, guys, I've got to tell you something. I'm going away, and it's important that I go away. For if I do not go away, I cannot send the comfort of the Holy Spirit because he's going to be in you. And that in you of God, God began to dwell in man at the day of, on the day of Pentecost and for the church ever since. We receive God. God lives in us. So it's God in man, the Holy Spirit. But then if you read the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, you know what you notice? It's a little bit like the book of Genesis. In that, there's a garden there. And there's a tree of life there. Good news, no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, that river that leads from the throne of God, it says they, there are 12 trees there and they yield their, their fruit in all their seasons and it was for the healing of the nations. What I want you to understand is what God began with man, God has taken man on a journey to bring him back in the garden with him all along. You see, I can say very clearly that God's will for your life is this that you have a relationship with him, that one day you will be with him in eternity. And that is such a comforting thought. And when you begin to look at your Bible and you say, why all this? Why did Israel go on this journey? Because of rebellion. Why were they, why were they so difficult for them to listen to God? Because they wanted their own way. Why did it take them so long to get in the promised land? Because they didn't listen to God. Why does it take us so long to experience joy? Because we listen to ourselves, we listen to our circumstances, we listen to everything but God. When you just kind of say these words to God, God, I want to listen to you. Would you speak to me? God, don't let me become distracted by my circumstances. Don't let my emotions throw me down, take me down the wrong road. No, God, you speak to me. If you will say that simple word every day, God, would you speak to me? You'd be surprised what God would begin to do in your life. You know what God does? God brings life to us. That's, what the, that's who the Holy Spirit is. He brings life to you. Let me take you to John chapter 14, show you this passage, and show you how critical it is to understanding this Christmas season. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll do what I say most of the time. Is that what it says? If you love me, then you'll take my suggestions. But don't we live our life that way? We know what it says, but then we live our life our way. I know it says that, but. I hear that all the time. I know the Bible says that, but. See, the problem is just too many buts in our life, right? But, 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 but. If you love me, you will what? Let's just say it together. Keep my commandments. Let's try it again. If you love me, you will what? It's pretty simple, right? You know what, Jesus, when they ask, what's the great commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. What's the great commandment? Love God. Love God. And then he said, they didn't ask, but he gave it to them. And the second one is like unto it. And you shall love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. You know, you can't love your neighbor until you learn how to love yourself. Now, we're not talking about this narcissistic kind of bad kind of love, like get in the mirror and go, I'm looking good, and I love me. 
Okay, that's not what it's talking about. It's the idea that I have an appreciation for who I am and how God made me. And even though I may not stack up to somebody else in terms of looks or education or finance or anything else, God loves me 100% just the way I am. When you can look in the mirror and go, God, I don't even know. I say this sometimes. God, I don't know why you love me, but I know you do. And I know I can't love anyone else until I learn how to love me. In fact, I cripple myself in loving others because I can't love me. And if I start with this idea that God fully loves you and accepts you, you, I am loved of God. Say that once in a while. See how it feels. He said, if you will keep my commandments. He said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, Jesus is getting ready to go away. I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper, that he may abide with you for a couple of weeks. What's it say? Huh? What does it say? How long is the Holy Spirit going to be with you? Forever. And what's he going to do? He is called the what? The helper. Anybody need help? Anybody ever said, hey, can anybody help me here? Before Tammy and I got married, I, her dad somehow was, uh, he was a very frugal individual, and he had agreed to paint the church, and he recruited me a week before the wedding to help paint the church, and he put me on the tallest ladder on the tallest point of the church, and I'm up on the ladder, and I'm as high as I can go, and I'm on, you know, really unsafe kind of world, right, and I've got one hand on the gutter, and I'm painting with the other brush when the ladder began to slide. And I'm hanging now, the brush goes down, and I'm hanging by my both hands from the gutter. He walks around and looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I don't know, just hanging out. What do you you think I'm doing? Put the ladder underneath me, right? You see, sometimes we're just hanging on. We got ourselves up on a ladder. We don't know how we got there. And what are we saying? We're saying, can someone help me in this situation? Can somebody get me out of this mess that I found myself in? You know what the comforter does? He comes and he pushes a ladder underneath you. He says, it's going to be okay. Come down the ladder. Let's find another place to go. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your helper. I'm going to abide with you forever, forever. Now, notice what else it says. The spirit of truth. How do I know truth? The spirit of God speaks. You see, what happens is you're reading your Bible, and all of a sudden God says, hey, that's for you. Have you thought about that? Oh, oh, that's, do you relate to that? That's the spirit of God speaking. He's the spirit of truth. And it says, whom the world cannot receive. That is, if you don't receive Christ, you're not going to receive the spirit of God. It says, they neither see him or know him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So he said, God's coming to live in you. This is the key to living a powerful Christian life. It's not by trying to be good. I mean, I, I, know, I talk to guys all the time. They go, you know, I'm really trying to be good. Well, quit trying. Let the Spirit of God work his life in you. Release to God. Let God be the God in you. And it says here that you neither see him or know him, but you, but, but you know him, for he dwells with you. He will be in you. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will come to you. You see, God in you exalts Jesus. 
When God is in you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to lift up Jesus wherever you go. Have you, have you noticed that our world seems to be getting worse? Does it, anybody notice that or is it just me? You know, I, I was talking with a guy in our congregation here who's in law enforcement, and we were talking about just what's happening in the world. And I said, you know what it is? It's lawlessness. There's an absence of structure. You know, and if there's one thing that, that we who understand the word of God need to understand, it's this idea of this rule of law. It's a principle of God. But I also want you to see as we look at what's happened, and I, I'm going to show you a video here that kind of takes you through just a few of the highlights of, of the things that have happened in our world over the last year. But then I want you to carefully notice the conclusion of this video because it's a key. Let's look at the video. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in
Amen. You know, Jesus is just the answer. He's just the answer. Sometimes when I'm up here and I, uh, I'm sitting in that lobby and I'm looking out at the cars go by, and literally hundreds of cars a day, and my heart just kind of breaks because I know that not everybody that's driving through here understands the last slide on that video, that somehow the world can be in chaotic disarray, but there is a peace that passes all understanding that guards us through Jesus Christ. It is your hope. It is your joy. It is your everything. As I think about exalting Jesus, I, I, I had a few thoughts I wanted to share with you. One is that I'm going to ask you to participate like you've never done before in the great mission of the king. You know, that's why we're here. God has blessed us and given us the freedom to enjoy life, but we really are here on planet Earth to be a part of the great mission of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This kind of request, if answered, will bring about a new season of growth in you personally. If you take serious this challenge, you're going to see your own spiritual life go to a new level. You're going to see a, a level of satisfaction that maybe you haven't experienced in a while. There may have been former seasons where you were leveraged great for the kingdom, but maybe those were yesterday and not today. Not only will you personally see a new season of growth, but we as a church will see a new season of growth. I know we've only been in existence 34 months, which is just a short time for a, a new fledgling church to kind of get its wings and begin to, to really fly, but God has blessed us with his favor every step of the way. I'm going to ask you to give your best time over the next 12 months. What would happen if you would say, I'm going to give it a shot for 12 months? I'm going to see what would happen if I would leverage who I am and what I have for the kingdom for 12 months. I'm going to ask you to give your best time, your money, your energy, and your heart for a cause that is worth pursuing. That whatever your level of prayer life is now, you're going to leverage that to another level. Whatever your level of giving is to another level, service to another level, your verbal communication of the gospel to a new level. You see, this kind of request inspires in all of us trust. I have to trust God. If I'm going to do that, I have to trust God. What if God wants to do something in your life that is way beyond what you could ever imagine, but holding back has kept God from releasing in you his power and his might, his anointing in your life because you wanted to make it more of a hobby than a full life commitment to Jesus Christ? My goal is to be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit of God. And I thought, if I could just somehow communicate to you with enough passion and enough heart and enough spirit to say, what would happen if we as a church said, we're going to do that? We're going to leverage the next 12 months for the kingdom. Imagine what we could do. Imagine the level of courage we would have. Imagine the level of commitment we would have. Imagine the effort we could put forth for God's kingdom. What would happen? We would be seeing people come to faith in Christ like never before. I am so excited about 
about these door hangers, and I know, you know, when I first got this idea, I thought, you know, these things really don't work, do they? People just put them in the trash, and then people started showing up and going, hey, I got a door hanger. And they bring it and show it to me. It's like show and tell. Oh, that's great. That's good. On Monday, we're going to put 12,000 of these on 12,000 homes in Anaheim Hills. Now, there's 55,000 homes in Anaheim Hills alone. My next, I want to work up to where every home in Anaheim Hills gets one of these. Because on the back of this is a whole plan of salvation. On the back of it, it says this, bring your family and friends and join us uh, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Three steps to peace this season. Step one, God loves you. Step two, connect with God. Step three, receive Christ. And there's a scripture that goes along with every one of them. And then there's a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. We're going to pray at the end of this service. I pray God would give us at least 1% of those 12,000 would come to faith in Christ. Can you imagine? If God wants to give us 10, great. I want to see what God can do. We've launched this year Bible clubs in schools all, all around here in Orange County. Just last week over at, over at Diamond Ranch High School, they showed the God is Dead movie in school. Now, it's a public school. Can you give God the glory for that one? Amen. Every week, whether it's there or whether it's Esperanza or whether it's one of the other high schools, there are kids coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We are absolutely penetrating the kingdoms of this world with the kingdom of God. We want God to begin to move in a more powerful way in our midst. We just finished this last uh, semester of evangelism, our school of ministry. And since we started in June, we have an enrollment, a total number of people who've been enrolled in it, over 180 people enrolled in our school of ministry. 100 of them just finished the school of evangelism, ready to share their faith. Many are sharing their faith. Many have led people to Jesus Christ. We've been meeting out here in this, uh, this multipurpose room that doubles as a children's area, and you try to get 135 people in that room. That's why it doesn't have a capacity sign on it. It's something less than 135, I'm sure. But anyway, you could go in there and get every disease known to man just by sitting in there because we were so wedged in there. But, you know, we, we don't want to stop there. We, we want to keep going. And, and so we had a vision to say let's expand. Let's take our school of ministry global. My heart is to see thousands and thousands of people be trained with the gospel worldwide from this place right here. We've got a team of about 35 going to South Africa in February to preach the gospel. Amen? And I believe they're going to return with, on fire with the Holy Spirit to proclaim Christ right here. What would happen if in the next 12 months of our effort, we would increase in our persistence of prayer and healing? What would happen if people began to see more and more of the works of God, more and more of the healings of God, the hand of God on someone? What would happen if people would begin to see mountain-moving faith and they would experience it in their own life? They would begin to pray and say, God did it, God did it, God did it. What happened if we would really get serious about sacrificial giving? As we, as we contemplate what God was doing there and now as we create an online presence, we have uh, about 50,000 people on our Facebook page here at Influence Church. And that's growing at about 200 a day, and about a third of those are international. What would happen if we could capture just a percentage of those people to be trained up with the gospel, in addition to what we're doing right here on campus? So we began to have a vision. How do we, how do we 
better serve our school and ministry. And, and many of you don't know that there's, there's space out there through those two doors. But what we want to do is give you a preview of what we've been up to in the expansion of God's kingdom right here at Influence Church. So we're going we're gonna to lift those doors and we're going to show you a little bit about what's coming. This project is about 70% done. This area will seat about 250 people, and we have done it with many, many people right here from within our own congregation. So take a look at what God's done there. That's pretty cool space, isn't it? Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to prayerfully consider, prayerfully consider making this year the largest year in gift you've ever made. And here's why. Not for giving's sake. Here's what we want to do. We, want to, we really believe that we need to have one more person here on our staff to do community, to gather groups together. And we've been running so fast, and most of our staff are part-time, and very few of our staff have any experience in training, and we've been raising them up as we go. But we really believe we need to have someone doing community life so we can form groups. We believe we need to buy a couple of vans for our student ministry and wrap them with influence so they're moving billboards and we can move our, our students around. Uh, we believe we need to upgrade some of our media equipment so we don't have failure. We believe that there's some technology pieces that we can put in place that we literally can really reach the world. Just a few weeks ago, we had uh, uh, almost 500 people viewing uh, on live stream at the 9 o'clock service. Now think about that. And we really are just getting started with what God's doing here in our midst. We want to encourage you to be a part of our, of our, our school of ministry. You don't have to be going into ministry. You see, when you got saved, you got into ministry. God called you to serve Jesus in ministry. We want to build this ministry for the glory of God. And we want to bring God, we want to, we want to see how God can take you. Because see, in, God in you brings love to people. How are they going to know the love of God? From you. From you. I was talking to a couple last night, and they don't go to church. In fact, they've done anything but want to go to church. And he didn't know what I did. I, his wife knew my wife through uh, the gym, and, and so I was talking to him, and he came over, and he's talking to me. And, and I said, what do you do? And he told me his profession. I said, well, that's really cool. I don't know anybody that does that. I feel so honored, and we're talking like that, and, you know, and we're just kind of getting along. You know, it's, it's like normal. And then he goes, what do you do? You know, that's always the ultimate bomb at the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm the pastor, you know, and, and I know all your sins. I mean, that's how you look. <laughs> You know, that's how they look at you. You know, yeah, like, uh, I said, well, I'm pastor at Influence Church. And, oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, I was sitting there thinking, he said this. He said, you know, you have a very important job. It must be great to be able to tell people about the love of God. And you know what I thought when he said it? I thought every believer has a really important job because every one of us gets to tell somebody about the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's our job. That's our role. That's our responsibility. All of those things. You know, just like the door hanger says, God does love you. God has a plan for your life that is way beyond what you could ever imagine. And it all begins with receiving Jesus Christ. Receiving him. You know, if somebody hands you something 
In order to have it in your possession, you have to take it. Do you realize the God of heaven is reaching down with salvation like this? It says this in, 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 the, in the Gospel of John, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become the sons of God. Do you realize becoming a son of God is simply receiving, receiving Jesus Christ? And it's a prayer. It's just a prayer away. Just last week I prayed with a young man who, who's been leaning in the atheistic kind of community and didn't have that faith. And when I began to share with him over the next several minutes, I said, would you like to receive Christ? He said, I would. And now he's in this fellowship. You see, it's just the love of God, a simple prayer. Let me give you this prayer. It's, on the, it's going to be on the screen. I'd like you just to stand with me as we pray this together. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you just repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus. I know that I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my life. I want to trust you as Savior and follow you as Lord. Amen. Now, if you've already prayed that prayer, Jesus did exactly that. You don't have to pray it over and over again. Jesus saves you once, and he abides with you forever. But if today that was your prayer, and you prayed that, and in faith somehow connected with that, I want you to know that that's how salvation happens, that I believe he died, he was buried, he rose from the dead to give us life. And God gave you life. Follow God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love him and love your neighbors yourself. Amen? Let's pray together. I want to just bless you as we, we go out today. If that was your prayer today and you received Christ, with just our heads bowed, would you just right now just maybe slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that was me. I prayed that prayer today, and I, I really meant it. It was for the first time I understood it. Just slip your hand up right now. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. And what I want you to do is just right now think about someone who doesn't know Christ. Would you pray for them? Jesus, I want to pray for my friend. I want to pray for my neighbor. I want to pray, God, that you will touch their life in a powerful way. Would you join me right now in just praying for these, this effort, this evangelistic effort on Monday morning where 12,000 homes will be visited with the gospel of peace, with a message not asking you to buy anything, we have nothing to sell. It's not getting you to vote for us. It's not getting you to like us. It's not advertising anything. It's simply saying, let peace come to your house. We need your prayers right now. And, and through this effort, what would happen if 1% of those people that received that would pray and receive Christ? Whether they come to this church or not, what if they came into the kingdom because of your prayers and our efforts? We may not know that until eternity. I have a feeling that a lot of our efforts that seem to be in vain right now are going to be really doubly blessed in eternity because God 
wasn't concerned whether we knew or whether we got the credit. He was just concerned that we engaged in kingdom activity. We prayed, we spoke, we gave, we served. We made our life count for the kingdom. That's what it's all about, friends. I want to pray for you. I want to just bless you in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you in all that you do. May you have a great Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you Christmas Eve.